All right, as long as I can hear the question. I get yeah. that question. I need to. Can you hear me? No, it's uh, going down. Yeah, it's yeah, going really. Just um, one sec. Um, no, that was a joke. I did that on purpose. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> this is Things Can Only Get Greater, the podcast where we discuss how small changes can make a big difference in fighting the climate crisis. With me, Victoria Cook and Adam Costello. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Things Can Only Get Greta with me, Victoria Cook. And me, Adam Costello. So today is the 26th of March, and last time we recorded, we were just beginning to understand the seriousness of the coronavirus. Yeah, so I think schools were just about to be shut down, or maybe they'd been shut down that week. Um, so now we're a week on from that and now we're in lockdown. So things have changed pretty dramatically within a few days and we're mm-hmm. quite happy to be on lockdown. We think that's definitely what was needed. Yeah, totally. And I think we both think he left it way too long yeah, before massively. he did it and we're sort of a little bit worried about what's coming. But it feels very much now that we're on a roller coaster going up a hill just before the great big drop. So we're not sure what's coming. We're not sure it might be all right. Um, But by the looks of the statistics and figures, it looks like it's not going to be all right. So uh, how are you feeling? Um, I think I'm slowly getting used to the whole idea of what is happening more than anything. And it's becoming like reality. I reckon I was in and I think like everyone's just been in like a state of shock. Um, so at first it's like the whole think about the panic buying like general public Mm. like panicking and panic buying is like obviously a result of people being in shock like what on earth is going to happen um so and, and also being pumped full of fear yeah fear and like yeah it's a massive mix of everything and i was saying to a friend as well about you know obviously everyone just that's all we're talking about now you know when you say you were saying to a friend mm. By the friend, you mean yourself. You were talking to yourself again, weren't you, Adam? Oh, that's when we were allowed to actually talk to people. But no, we're not. We're not, uh, we're not allowed to talk or touch people anymore. No. But I mean, to be fair, did you like it when people touched you before? Uh, no. <laughs> Me neither. It's quite a good thing, really. So it's sorry. So now you've got an excuse. Um, so, yeah, so it's like in life, like when you have a problem, it's like usually you've got like one big problem or they used to say things come in threes, don't, didn't they? Well, like, Jay-Z had 99 problems. <laughs> uh, well, he's definitely got 99 problems now. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, every single person, there's no no one is going, going unescaped in this situation. Um, we're literally all in the same boat. Everyone's lives are, are completely turned upside down. Um, so we've got like money issues, we've got food issues, we've got health issues. We can't even go outside. We can't come into contact with people. It's like this huge web, isn't it, of like problems. Um, so yeah, it's insane, totally insane. And And then alongside, running alongside that is how life is going to change and strangely in this really weird limbo period Mm. there are things coming out of this that feel like really positive things i mean speak to us again in a week and i might say the opposite but there are things that feel so positive that are coming out from this people working from home spending more time with your kids 
um, the impact on the environment. Although I suppose you know we spoke a bit about this before, but there are different impacts on the environment right now. I mean, for example, when I was shopping the other day, the last thing I'll be honest with you, I know you're going to hate us for this, Adam, but the last thing on my mind was plastic pollution i bought loads of big bottles of water <laughs> right yeah totally and then I, when i brought them in the house i literally dragged them in the house and you looked at us really annoyed and we're like what what have you bought those for and i'll be honest with you adam i bought them because i spent years watching the walking dead right and in my mind this could result in there being no water and us having to drink from plastic straws out of plastic bottles Okay, and I know it's bad and wrong, but I did it. I panicked. You panicked, bought plastic bottles of water. I know, and I didn't even think about the what environment. Oh. Uh, man, who, honestly, like I don't think anyone's thinking like that at the moment. But um, that's what I thought. You know, even like last week, I was like, "Who gives a shit about plastic pollution, pl- plastic bottles, and things like that?" Um, but now I've just I don't know. I've rethought things a little bit because, in a way, I feel like the reason that we're in the situation or that you know like we can blame ourselves almost like for this situation but it's actually a chance to totally reset the human race as insane as that sounds no it doesn't sound insane i think a lot of people are thinking exactly the same way at the minute yeah but like if i could ask you right in a dream scenario Mm -hmm. in what way in what ways would life change? Because I think we can all agree that life is going to change after yeah. this. And I think a lot of people hope life is going to change. And it's going to change in some bad ways. And it's going to change in some good ways. So what positives, what good ways would you take over? Um, I reckon like the, pa- the, the crazy fast pace of life that we have to live in order to make money, in order to save up enough money to buy a house to live to buy like all this crap that we actually don't even need um yeah so like the first time ever for me personally it's like i actually have been able to slow down and it's like this thing that i've been trying to do for ages like i run my own business and i always thought that the reason i ran my own business was that it would give me time and i'd be able to do the things that i want to do but actually it kind of didn't and i know so many people are exactly the same but this whole corona pandemic situation has forced me to totally slow down and look at like the real things that actually massively matter in my life like Um, what like what do you what now um, is happening that you feel like you've missed out on uh, well, we've got we've now got like a full fridge of food, and we can just eat as, eat like <laughs> like, and we never used to. Yeah, but it is not fun food. What's in there? It it's like not really. Cook, now we're cook, we're cooking amazing meals. We're living like the high life since this all happened. That is not true. I used a tea bag twice the other day because we were running out. I'm like I'm on wartime rations here. Right. You know, anytime someone throws a bit of food in the bin, I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, and really panicking but uh but there you go that's like straight away another like a waste thing like completely like people think go into the shops and thinking shit there's no bread like we've got to make this bread last and like although we've done this crazy panic buying it'll actually make people appreciate like food and like think about all the amount of food that was available in a supermarket we're just so like insanely spoiled um and no one appreciates it and people complain like all the time about anything you know anything and like really it's like um yeah i think we it's yeah i mean one of the things i've noticed like genuinely though Mm -hmm. is 
the food waste in our house because we've had three children in the house with us for a week essentially and the food waste has been so small so how do you think things are other things are going to change after this um so i reckon we can just look at like what's happening right now i suppose because effectively like the world is shut shut down hasn't it like we're not well everything everything shut down yeah Yeah, i actually got a message from um (laughs) do you know i'm gonna give it away here but like uh river island one of my favourite shops. Uh, and they were saying that they're closing their distribution centre. Mm. So yeah, yeah. they said you can order what you want, but it might take a long, long time for it to get to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Inland Sea, the, who, like my company that sponsors this podcast, um, where we make clothes strictly out of recycled material, um, I checked on the distributor's site today, and um, from the 26th of March, they're not sending any uh, T-shirts hoodies any of the clothes out and that's like a massive distributor of loads of different clothes to loads of different companies Where, whereabouts are they based um uh, down south i think i'm not totally sure oh, right, but, so it is a british company yeah but no but they they act as like a middleman to getting clothes that are made ah, from all over the world um so one it could be that the clothes aren't being delivered or made anymore and because they can't effectively get here um or, or, ha- or have you thought maybe they've just been closed down by the fashion police uh, why because the so, clothes aren't very good yeah possibly what are you trying well, to say no, no, inland sea clothes obviously just are great. listen to you mrs <laughs> river island listen i can't talk us right now i'm wearing like a sweater that's about three years old not made of recycled material no but anyway um yeah so club fashion clothing but fashion is a massive one that's really really bad for the climate and i think fashion is like a massive western problem think about like all the different seasons that all the fashion labels get ready for and the throwaway culture of fashion like you get a new fashionable t-shirt in spring and then oh you don't you just get a new (laughs) t-shirt uh yeah and then what do you do um who me well by winter you you cannot wear it once you've washed them a couple of times yeah but like the fashion industry i'm not like i don't wear like fashion labels but (laughs) (laughs) but like loads of people obviously follow fashion trends and like um but really like what you need is a coat that's just gonna last you like 10 years or a jumper but it's true like uh, yeah absolutely the waste that is created from the fashion industry is totally and utterly bonkers so it's like that's a massive shake up so to shave things up a bit more mm-hmm. we've got one of do you know what, i'm just gonna say it one of my favorite guests that we've interviewed your favorite one of my favorite guests i think it was brilliant it's tony butt climate scientist he's written lots of books you know we should stick it up on instagram yeah yeah we'll do tony's yeah. books um and just like big wave surfer and just really really interesting guy to talk to yeah he's amazing imagine being a professor of surf I know what a dream yeah pretty incredible guy really and just dead humble and i would say uh, a purist mm. if that's okay to use that word yeah. um because he's a big wave surfer so there's going to be loads of surfers listening to this hopefully um because you'll learn loads about like the weather and how that's changed uh, and how it affects the surf and the climate etc um but tony but we talk about like um big wave surfing and and when i say purist he doesn't use jet skis like a lot of big wave surfers do now um and that kind of like brings 
brings it back to like climate change and how we've kind of like and the whole corona situation i know it sounds a bit crazy to link them all together but and the consumer-led fast-paced world um for surfers it's like we now rely on jet skis as like an easy way to get out through, through the waves but throw away the jet ski that's like uses fossil fuels and just be pure in the water paddling no like fuel used and just like in nature and one of the biggest points that tony talks about is about us trying to get back to nature and just looking at a tree as hippie as that is would you you say back to life (laughs) back to reality totally yeah um and like so this was recorded pre-coronavirus um so it's quite interesting to actually um think of the world before all this happened it was only a month ago (laughs) yeah exactly i know i know but it's like it does it feels like so long ago if we were if we'd recorded it now with him um it'd be totally different conversation completely but so the some of the stuff that he talks about is actually like very very forward thinking and like he even says about like we might not be able to travel in the future um and that was probably more related to climate change and like not being able to fly as much but we're now a month later and when and we can't travel it's um which is like could be the future as well just a quick note before we start the interview uh the sound quality isn't brilliant on this one it sounds a little bit like we're underwater so yeah please enjoy this conversation with tony bot tony bot in your studies of like i think you've 40 years of study, is it 30, 40 years of studying? Um, the of, sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, in, you know, in your, in your time studying um, the surf and the weather, do you think it's changed over the years? Um, do you think it's got worse? Do you think it's got better? Um, and how do you think it's like affect the, affected the surf? Go back. I've been surfing for about 40 years. Let's just say since I started doing the articles in the surface path, which was in the late 90s, early 2000s. Has it changed since then? Well, it's become more unpredictable, I think. You're getting, it's still difficult to, I mean, okay, you look at the temperature graph, you know, that, that graph that's got all these squiggles that goes up like this, which is because it's, I don't know, it's night and day or one or another or each month or something like that. But then it goes, it's going up, you know, the CO2 level in the atmosphere is going up. The, the temperature is going up. It's all, you know, that's all kind of like a systematic increase. Um, and all these other things are increasing exponentially, basically, you know, like the, the amount of plastic in the sea. And in 2013, 2014, we had this winter that was just, you know, like apocalyptic. We had wave heights that were like 15 meters all, you know, for about three months, it never went below about five meters. Um, and so, but that hasn't happened every year, you know, the year after that, it was back to normal again. Um, and then now, you know, recently, the last couple of years, we've, we've had all these fires, you know, that's, that's nothing to do with the surf, but it's, it's quite relevant if you live in an area where I do, which is covered in eucalyptus trees, you know, or, you know at the moment we're in Australia or in California or somewhere like that. But it's not really a systematic increase. It's just all these sort of episodic events, these sudden things that are happening. And then the next year, it sort of goes back to normal again. And then yeah. everybody goes, oh, well, it's all right. You know, it's, climate change doesn't exist. So, uh, yeah, it's difficult to notice <clears throat> if things are just increasing and increasing. Are you having a lot of floods where you are? Well, we had really bad floods in the summer where we live here in Cheshire. 
Um, and then we've had, uh, I think it's all around Doncaster, so more of the Midlands have, have been really bad uh, the beginning of the winter. Um, so mm-hmm. just it just seems like from uh, an observer who, you know, just I obviously study weather, weather patterns, it just seems like we get more extreme weather, like, um, so like that, that it seems to rain heavier. It's the same with the surf, like having been a surfer for, since I was a little kid, um, I noticed that the wet, it's like the weather pattern seems to be coming so much quicker, like the low pressure after low pressure after low pressure, whereas it used to just be like one low pressure. Um, so just things seem to be so much quicker and more extreme when they do happen. Um, but, you know, speaking to someone like yourself, like a scientist, it's like how backed up is this um, or is it just in, in my head? Is it in people's heads? And I, I do wonder as well, you know, with social media, it, we're so much more aware of what's happening around the world, whereas we weren't before. So it does seem, you know, like uh, much closer to home, I think, than it has done previously. Yeah, I sort of wonder if that's got anything to do with it. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you know what's going on all over the world all the time. Um, yeah, maybe 30 years ago, we didn't really take much notice about it or maybe the news that we watched on telly was something that would filter through from Australia or somewhere else, you know, and you wouldn't get all the information. But now we've got all this sort of exact information and all the details right up to the minute. So, yeah, and there's all sorts of things. And then your own memory, you know, you think if you're a surfer and you've been surfing for 30 or 40 years, you know, back then you were a lot younger and then you're a lot less experienced. So, yeah you had a different perspective on it. Everybody says, oh, it was always better in the old days. Because they're just remembering the good stuff. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think, again, I'll just repeat what I said. I don't think it's sort of noticeably getting bigger and bigger every year or anything like that, or smaller and smaller. Or Mm. It's so up and down. And and as I say, the main thing are these episodic, unpredictable events, you know, yeah. Okay. I mean, actually, that, that does tap into something I was going to ask you, Tony, because I was reading one of your articles on, I think it was patagonia.com, about how you learned to do, I think this is right, you learned to do big wave surfing in Menakos. Is that how you say it? Menyakos. Men- oh, Menyakos. there you go. Menyakos. Is that how you say it? Perfect. Oh, lovely. Um, yeah, that's such a good article, by the way. I learned loads from it. But I wondered if you'd been back there again since, because it was like the early 90s, wasn't it, that you were there? Yeah, I arrived in the early 90s and I stayed there till 2007, basically. But weren't you initially just travelling around and then you just decided to stay there? Yeah. Yeah, just that's what I say to people. Yeah, you know, I just like, yeah, I'm still on a surf trip, you know, for about the last 25 years, I haven't gone back yet. <laughs> one, day I'd, like, one day I decided not to go back. I mean, it wasn't quite like that, but it was kind of, sounds a bit more romantic if you say it like that. But So yeah, yeah, that was from about 99. That was when I decided to, to, to basically stay, yeah. Uh, weren't you sharing your van with, did you see you had three big surfboards in the van as well? Five. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I wondered, had you been back there again? Have you been back there since? And was there anything noticeably, noticeably different about the size of the waves there? Or No, it didn't seem smaller. The waves didn't seem smaller or anything like that. But it, it it's much more crowded now. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, big wave 
surfing has got really popular, you know, in the last sort of five five years or so, maybe a bit longer, maybe even ten maybe ten years, I don't know. Why um, why do you think that is? Several different reasons, I think anyway. That's a really interesting question actually. Um the reason I decided that I liked big waves all those years ago was because it wasn't very popular because I I like to do things that are really different from other people and I don't really like being I don't like crowds you know I prefer like ironically being out in big waves was less stressful than it was being in small waves because because all the people around you trying to compete and I'm not a competitive person at all I just like to share stuff and everything so being in big waves then was not very stressful and it was just seemed like perfect to me it was like a paradise you know being surrounded by nature and, um and then okay so there was no there was just there was a few cameras but they were just the old school sort of cameras you know so if you were surfing a long way out and it was raining or it was foggy or something like that nobody would be taking photographs of you um there was no obviously no drones no jet skis um Nowadays, people have got these inflatable vests. I don't know if you've seen them. So, you yeah, know, it's yeah. like an airbag. You pull this thing, and this thing blows up. So that's like a another another fear mitigator. You know, like yeah. I didn't realize recently that people, some people have actually got a phobia about being underwater, about being having these having big waves rolling over you and getting pushed down underwater. You know, and I, did, I didn't even realize that. And yeah. so all these things, well, the two things combined really, the, the sort of fact that somebody can be taking a photograph of you really easily nowadays with drones and digital cameras and you know really much more much better quality cameras um or somebody can be really close taking a photograph of you on a jet ski and so all the sort of um i don't really like to say narcissism that's a bit of a bad word but you know all the kind of the motivation maybe half the people were motivated like I was, just to be out there and be surrounded by nature. But maybe the other half are motivated because they want to get their photograph. Yeah. You know, somebody's taking their photograph, they want to be famous, they want to go. Have you heard of the XXL Awards? Yeah, yeah. So that's like the Hollywood, like the You, you were invited to the South uh, Dungeons, weren't you? Well, did you do that? No, the Dungeons? That was a different thing altogether. No. Uh, so, so, so that you know, the ultimate in, in this sort of uh, I want to be famous thing, yeah, big yeah. words, is the syllables like being a film director and getting an Oscar. You know, you know, they're out there in the surf and they're not thinking about the next wave that they're going to catch, or they're not really yeah. sort of enjoying. About this is a really cynical point of view, but anyway, mm-hmm. they're not really enjoying being out there in the surf, in right out there. You know, what they're thinking of is. If I get this wave and it's big enough, somebody's going to take a picture of me. Then, then in, in a couple of months' time, I'll be nominated for the XXL. Then I can go up on stage in some place in California, be surrounded by all these girls, and uh, you know, and then just be like really famous. And that's all. That's what half the people I think are thinking about when they're surfing yeah. big waves. So that's one thing. And the other thing is this, this fear. You know, this thing. Half of them are shit scared when they're out there anyway, but they've got a jet ski, they've got an inflatable vest, they've got all these people watching them. Um, so if it wasn't for all these new sort of facilities, that would cut down quite a lot of people as well. So what are you working on at the moment? Are you uh, particularly studying anything to do with climate change? You wrote a book, didn't you, Tony? 
guide to waves, coasts, and climate. Yeah, that was a long time ago. That was well over 10 years ago now, so it's all a bit, that's a bit out of date. But, well, actually, it's, that's really forward thinking, though. Well, it's horrible, really, because, um, you know, I've got all this stuff that I did years ago, and I've had some, some presentations that I do sometimes are now getting a bit old, you know, and so I've got to, like, they've got data in them. Like, I do this one on plastics, you know. It's, uh, it's quite popular, so I've, I've actually presented it back eight or nine times now over the years and the data originally was from 2000, 2005 or something like that you know it was data on how much plastic there is in the sea how much plastic we're making how much more plastic we're making every year you know how many plastic bottles there are all this sort of stuff and I show these really simple graphs and obviously it's all increasing exponentially and so that's sort of around the same that's as an example, that, that, that presentation started when I wrote that book, Waves, Coasts and Climates, more or less. And then, so over the years, I've updated it. But the original presentation had, a, had an extrapolation of the curve, like what we, based on what's been going on over the last 30 years, as far as plastics concerned, if we don't do anything about it, how much will that continue? And it mm -hmm. just continues on an exponential curve. Between 1950 and 2005, the amount of plastic, because plastic was only invented around 1950, up to 2005, it increased exponentially. And that's real data up to that, up to that moment. So in 2005, what I did is I extrapolated that and said, if we carry on the way we're carrying on at the moment, we don't do anything about it. It'll just shoot right up like that, you know, but obviously we will be doing something about it within the next 10 years <laughs> and then the next so the last amount of data that i've got which the last amount of data available is from 2015 which is like still like five years ago past already yeah and it's exactly the same as the extrapolation so we haven't done anything yeah. and it's exactly you know it's continued to increase exponentially so going back to that book as you said it's you know it's really sad that all the stuff that I kind of wrote about then, I thought we would probably be doing something about it by now. You know, nothing, nothing's happened. Yeah. It's just got worse. You know, Awareness, that's about as far as you can see things happening. Yeah, people, are, really, people are really aware of it, but no one, it's like, it's kind of like no one knows what to do. Um, that's, that's, the, that's the problem that I find. It's just really frustrating, apart from not buying it, but it's like convenience, isn't it? Everyone, no one's going to stop buying it because it's just convenient it's just there and, and like uh, yeah. maybe until sort of like the bigger bodies do something yeah, about it and means. sort of just stop it you know yeah yeah the whole thing the whole environmental problem it's all really everything's related to everything else but you know, the bigger yeah. things climate change but it's all sort of you know all these other problems as i said plastic pollution you know, air pollution genetically modified crops and all, all this sort of stuff yeah. It's all like non, it's what we say, what we call non-linear. So it's like it's got tipping points. So, um, you know, you said, yeah, okay, the awareness is increasing now and more people are realizing that climate change is real and everybody wants to do something about it, but nothing's being done about it. It's exactly, it's as if nobody knows anything about it. Yeah. But then maybe it will reach a tipping point. Hopefully, you know, in the next 12 years, which is what they say we've got left, of, you know, on the planet, <laughs> um, 
it might that might reach yeah because the whole thing is is full of tipping points as well you know the yeah. like climate change itself is is non-linear um it you know like the classic one is the ice in 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 the arctic you know um when it reaches a certain temperature the ice melts and then it decreases the albedo which means that more the, the reflective properties of the ice which means that more heat is absorbed because the water is dark so it's a, so the white ice goes away and then you've got this dark water which which increases the the heat absorption which makes it melt even quicker so that's the tipping point yeah and that's what been reaching uh, so all these things have got tipping points in them and hopefully the human awareness and the the sort of idea that we need to do something about it might reach a tipping point soon. One of the questions that, that I actually wrote down was like, if the icebergs all melted, if the glaciers went in Greenland and the Arctic, what would the effect be on our weather? We all know the sea level rise will go up, so there'll be more flooding and coastal, coastal flooding. But do you think the weather as a result of that would get a lot worse? Um, if, if the ice is already in the sea, then it won't increase and heats up. But if ice falls into the sea, yeah. from glaciers then it adds fresh water to the sea and then that so it adds more water to the water that's already there so it increases yeah. and then there's the other thing about the temperature which is a bit confusing between the poles and the equator the idea was always that because you've got the um what's called the latent heat of fusion which is um where it, you need a certain amount of energy to actually melt the ice then that energy is not being used to increase the temperature. So that means that but because there's no ice on the on the equator, all that extra energy, all the energy that's being trapped into the atmosphere, that extra energy is all of it can be used to increase the temperature. Whereas not all of it can be used to increase the temperature on the pole because some of it's being used to melt the ice. But, okay, so that was my thing that I used to say about 10 years ago. And then because you've got a greater temperature differential, between the poles and the equator, then you're going to get more circulation in the atmosphere. Oh, right, right. Ah, right. Because of the albedo effect and the feedback, the poles are melting. The temperature is increasing faster in the poles than it is on the equator. I think that's what they say anyway. So, right, yeah. confusing. so if, if that was the only factor, which it isn't, there's all this other stuff all linked in. <clears throat> if that was the only factor, then the temp then the weather would be less severe it would uh -huh. be, you know, sort of <laughs> would yeah. be less circulation in the atmosphere yeah because wow. the differential between the pole and the equator would be smaller even though both of them would be warmer it's getting confusing isn't it no this um, is amazing that's what yeah. 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 And, that, and that's what some people and but i might i don't want to get into it because i might make a mistake and then you'll get all these on your instagram you'll get all these <laughs> idiot who doesn't know what he's talking about um, so yeah but, but the main thing about that is that it's it's confusing and unpredictable and the models the mathematical models that they use the, you know, the climate scientists still can't the more they try to resolve something then you get another problem coming in you know that they need to add to the models and then it just it's all this stuff just all intertwined together um, but the question I think you said, are you, am I working on anything? Not, I'm not really, because I don't really do research anymore, but I'm reading lots of stuff and I'm doing a few 
getting some articles together for well the, the service path apparently has come out again. I've received yeah. my copy. I got <laughs> my I got mine. <laughs> oh, you got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I got my first one. So I got a story in the first one, and then I got the next yeah, story. Right. I'm working on a few more stories, Brilliant. and also maybe for the Patagonia blog. Yeah. Um, and then also I, and some um, with Magic Seaweed as well. I put like. Yeah. A, simpler ones on there, you know, more based yeah. on the further than science, but also try to squeeze a bit of environmental stuff in there while they're not looking, you know. Yeah. Um, and so the thing that I'm sort of starting to think about at the moment is uh, the climate models. Okay, so, so we don't really, I think it's a waste of time to try to keep proving that climate change exists. I think we yeah. should forget about that. that we should like stop trying to prove that it exists and just get on with it, you know, accept that it exists because we haven't got much time and then try to find solutions, you know. Um, but also, um, okay, you need to find what the problem is to try to solve, you know. And I think that, that one of the biggest problems is going to be the human reaction to the climate. So, for example, say the sea level rose half a meter or whatever. Okay, maybe a few, you know, a million people might die, but that's not the problem. It's the fact that there's another 10 million people might start to move away from that area, and then that, and then you know, try to move to other areas, and then that produces a reaction from the people in those other areas, even if they're not being directly, inf not being directly affected by climate change yes. <clears throat> oh, yeah. but then you get this the whole thing is a, a big feedback loop as well it's all a big like tipping point and non-linear thing um and there's loads of examples that that um some of them i thought about myself and some of them you can read about um of, of feedback loops which include humans in the model so so that you know you the earth you can model all the earth's systems the the, the the atmosphere and the sea and everything but it, people haven't really the scientists haven't really started putting humans in there as well mm. but if you think about it for example uh, another uh, one really simple one is again thinking about the the arctic now the ice is melting so then these people are starting to look for oil in the arctic that's absolutely ridiculous you know, and they're, so they're looking for oil, they're going to burn more oil and that's going to cause more climate change. It's going to cause the Arctic to melt even more and then they're going to find more oil, you know. So that's like a, a really simple human uh, uh, thing. What, another one which is more kind of a bit more frightening, um, a bit more difficult to understand, is the, and it, and it sort of goes back to, almost back to the sort of colonial days when the Europeans, we sort of invaded Africa and other countries and, you know, um, started to cause problems there. Um, and the people who were original sort of small-scale farmers or hunter-gatherers, they started to move into the cities that we created as Europeans. And then they moved into all these townships and then they didn't have them, they kind of couldn't find work. And then the resources were all getting um, used up, you know. And, uh, but uh, with climate change now, 
those sorts of things are exacerbated even more. Um, so, for example, I saw this documentary the other day about, I think it was um, Kenya or Tanzania, one of those countries, and it was exactly that. It was, there were these poor people in these townships all around the outside of the capital city, and they couldn't, they didn't have any work, and, they, and then they, <clears throat> you know, they have found it difficult finding fresh drinking water and anything to eat, you know. So, so there was this guy on there, and he was an environmentalist, and he said, well, the only thing we can do to help these people, to stop them dying, is to plant all these eucalyptus trees and to dam up all the rivers. And those are the two things that I've, I've been campaigning strongly against in Spain and Portugal. Because, you know, those two things are like disastrous for the environment. So it's a, it's a sort of a short-term solution. Mm. Um, so there, you know, you've caused these problems in the first place, then you're trying to solve the problems and you're causing more problems. So, so then it's just a, a feedback loop. And a, a more sort of um, uh, a broader consequence of that sort of thing happening is that then you start getting refugees. You start getting yeah. people moving from those countries or maybe or also countries where, where people like, you know, English-speaking countries on both sides of the Atlantic try to go and invade um, countries that have got lots of oil and then um, cause wars and then the people from those yeah. countries where there's oil escape, try to escape from there and then they want to come into European countries and then the people in Europe don't want these people with brown skin coming into their country. So then they yeah. vote for a politician who is in favour of stopping them coming into the, into the country. and that particular politician usually is also doesn't particularly want to do much for climate change. Yeah, so climate will be a climate change exactly. denier. Yeah. yeah. So that yeah. feels like to me it's happening right now, just the same as like all the climate change things that people never thought would ever happen to do with climate change. So five years ago, yeah. it feels like it's all happening right right now. Like it's like five, yeah. it seems to be, everything seems to be happening really, really quickly. Feels like it's escalated. Escalated, it? yeah. 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 Well, probably like as you say, Tony, because those people are now in place, you know, who have the power to change it, but are really choosing to do the opposite of that, you know. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, as I say, I don't live in in the UK, um, so, but I find it baffling, you know, <laughs> why did they vote for that idiot? You know, I mean. Uh, I, th I think you're not alone in thinking that, Tony. <laughs> We're all thinking the same. Um, I know we've taken up so much of your time, but I just wondered if quickly we could just touch a little bit on sustainable surfing. Uh, okay, as surfers, we're supposed to be on the front line and we're, we're, we notice we're out there in nature, you know, all the time. We're not, I mean, you know, I go down to the beach every day and any changes presumably we would see them quicker than somebody who lived in the middle of london or people or in madrid or somewhere and people who are surrounded by human inventions um, we're a bit more in touch with nature so like things actual nat natural things that are being affected by what we're doing we would notice that ha those effects first you know um so as surfers we really should be sort of role models, especially as 
you know, if you're a bit more of a well-known surfer, then you should, you've got an even better responsibility, even bigger responsibility to be a role model for other surfers. Yeah. And then they can be role models for other citizens to, I don't know, just to try to realize that where our natural resources come from, you know, that um, if you see, you know, you might, on your way down to the beach, you might walk past a river and it's polluted, you know, but people don't really have that connection between, oh, that's where our drinking water comes from. Mm. Or, um, I don't know, the soil, it's a bit more of a difficult one, but yeah, this, the soil is all polluted or eroded or something like that. That's where we get all our food. You know? um, people don't really, really realize that. Or well, the air is polluted. Well, you know, we need air to breathe. Um, so that was really the idea that as surfers, we should be role models for other yeah. people. So one, one of the worst, really, like in terms of, it's like even our, the wetsuits are made out of highly toxic materials. The surfboards are all toxic. We jump on planes to go surfing, um, you know, all around the world. And especially like you were saying, the, the big, big, big name surfers who are on the world tour, they're literally in a plane every other week. Um, and in and, and big wave surfers as well, as soon as there's, there's a forecast of a, massive swell they'll jump on a uh, plane then jump on a jet ski and then it's horrible yeah, yeah i mean really. so so at the moment i'm <clears throat> i mean i think i probably touched on on that in that, that um that work i did but i've been ever since then i've been thinking about it all the time you know so, we're such hypocrites you know and there's so many of these elephants in the room you know there's so many things that we do that we we don't talk about you know and people must know they're not that ignorant you know um and yeah the travel is a big thing so again i'm working on a story at the moment which is an update from another thing that i did surf travel the elephant in the room which i called it that was about five or six years ago i'm kind of um doing an update of that now as well um travel is a is a funny one because you know you you can't just sort of i mean maybe we won't have any choice in a few years time maybe we won't be able to travel anywhere but it'd be nice to carry on traveling a little bit, but do it in a more sustainable way. Yeah. If that exists. Um, just like we used to, like I used to travel 30 years ago because I didn't have any money. I used to travel on public get buses and hitchhike and, you know, travel down the riverbed for 18 hours in the back of a truck, you know, and then you could, you could blag about it, you know, and it only cost me $3, you know, <laughs> or something like that. Um, Nowadays, people that's not doesn't seem to be an issue anymore. It doesn't seem to be, you know, that um, it would be. It would in those days. It would have been really embarrassing to have caught a plane somewhere and spent like two hundred dollars when you could have done it for three dollars in, yeah. in, in a much cooler sort of, um, you know, like like it says in your Lonely Planet book, that kind of thing. Um, but that doesn't seem to be an issue anymore. So so. It would be nice to try to get rid of, maybe that's just the way people are sort of, the way surfers are traveling at the moment, really unsustainably. Maybe they could go back to traveling more sustainably. Maybe it would be more fun as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, going on a boat somewhere. And, but, or, you know, but I don't know if that's going to happen in, until the point is reached when we don't have any choice anyway. Um, it's the same with all the people, normal everyday day people who 
feel they have to go on like a holiday abroad every year or twice a year, take the family to wherever, or even like, you know, the whole long haul flights. Um, people feel like they've got to go on at least one long haul flight every year. And like, um, which is, it's ama- it's like amazing that we can do that, but um, it's obviously such, such bad news for the future. Yeah. And, and also there's, there's, there's so many other things to do with surfing. I'm just thinking of a couple of things. Um, I mean, obviously the jet ski thing. I'm, at the moment, I'm on. I'm on this thing that uh, you know, people, everybody just laughs at me. You know, with this thing about jet skis. You know, um, okay. There's two things with jet skis. One is toe surfing, which is just a farce. You know, it's ridiculous. Uh, and the problem is that went out of fashion about ten years ago. There was this toe surfing boom, and then. It was great. People started paddling the waves yeah. that they thought that they could only tow. Yeah, and then yeah. and that went out and it was great. And then they started getting these yeah, jet skis yeah. anyway for, for just in case you... you yeah, for rescuing. Yeah. Rescues, yeah. You get a couple of waves on the head, you know, then, then the rest of the jet ski would come and pick you up. And, and now, even when people are paddling big waves, there's always like, if it's big, there's always somebody with a jet ski. Yeah. And of course, you don't. You don't need to be rescued every single time you wipe out. So you know they get they they do rescue you every time you get wipe time you wipe out, which is unnecessary. And then if they get bored, they give you a lift back to the lineup. Yeah. Buzz around, you know, because you get a bit bored. And I thought, you know, um, and when you say <clears throat> so, there's two things. There's the there's the, the toe surfing thing, which, as I say, is if you know a little bit about it, you, you know that it's just pretty lame compared with paddling to big waves, really. And then there's the rescue thing, which is a bit more tricky. It's like yeah. as you talk to people who surf big waves and they go, no, 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 you've got to have a jet ski. You know, you, yeah. you, you um, no, no, that's ridiculous. You know, you, but it's the wrong well, message. You can't yeah. have a jet ski in, you know, my idea of surfing big waves is, as I said, when I, 20 years ago, you know, you'd be out there and you'd be surrounded by nature and you'd have to have a strategy, use your own initiative to, to be able to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's where. Without, having, without just having a terrible day and just being wiped yeah. out. Yeah. Um, but, but also, I guess that's like where you're learning to look after yourself yeah. as well, you know, and understanding the water you know so it's but, taking away all those skills it kind of feels like surfers have lost their path pardon the, the pun as well like the, the reason that people like got into surfing was just to do that to be immersed in the sea and the elements really that's why you do it but with social media and the media and what i was going to say about the world surf league like um, they use jet skis like at Kira point and things like that just to take just to get the surfers back out to the uh, takeoff point um quicker as and so it's like we've lost like what real surfing is like um just because it's like we have to get there and like real surfing is about paddling it's about getting back out there like you know like and paddling for the wave i mean being being out in the water with a machine that burns fossil fuels yeah yeah. okay so it's it's contributing a little bit to climate change but the main thing is that i don't know if you have you ever been in the water jet ski no. Uh, in the water of the jet ski, only from I've never been like uh, surfing and when there's been big waves with jet skis, but I've been in the water in Wales when um, you get all the knobhead jet skiers uh, trying to, you know, who don't know what they're doing, 
just a noise yeah, one. Right? Yeah, so so you, you know you you've experienced all the noise. Yeah. Of the jet ski, the the pollution of the you know because the 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 um, exhaust fumes kind of sometimes they settle if it's not very windy they settle onto the surface of the of the ocean you know so you can smell the exhaust fumes and it chops up all the water as well so that's a kind of pollution as well you know it's nice and glassy yeah yeah and then 